Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. We appreciate that. Thank you, Liz. And I definitely would pray about considering uh, coming out to Club 180. There's a lot, they do a lot of good work, and we believe in partnering with other groups that have already got stuff going on. And um, Brother Xavier has, uh, I think they have about four different areas around the city where they do that. And myself working in the school system, I know that you know schools and communities, they have to come together. And so this is a way that, that we could do that. And then um, you know, here's just a little side note. If, if, if you are doing something for the uh, food pantry, uh, you can get the regular one, get the one that you would get for your family. Now, the reason I say that is my kids were raised on generic, all right? And if I give them the name brand stuff, they're like, ew, this tastes gross, but um, because we're cheap, all right? So if whatever you would get your family, if you, if you would do that for the, um, the, the food pantry, that'd be good. But we are going into a, the last message of a series um, called Endgame, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk, and I think God is going to do some good stuff today. So would you join with me in praying? Would you just close your eyes for a second? I know you guys didn't come here to meet, hear me. Jesus, nobody came here to hear me. We want to hear from your word. We want to hear you. Show us your word. Show us your truth. Put your hand on my mouth and let your words come out, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The title of the series is called Endgame, which is um, we've been talking about that period of time, and there's a graphic that we made uh, that kind of shares it where um, Jesus has already died on the cross, and he is at the throne at the right hand of the Father in heaven, and he has already sent the Spirit. This is stuff that has already happened. Um, Jesus did this. He died on the cross. He paid for our sins. We can have forgiveness because that debt was already paid. You and I each had a debt that we could not pay on our own, and Jesus stepped in and he said, I got this. I will pay for your debt. And so it's good news that our debt is canceled in Christ. But he didn't stop there. Sometimes that's all, that's, sometimes that's where we stop in church, but he is not on a cross right now, and he's not in a tomb right now. The Bible says he's actually at the right hand of the Father, and that's sitting in a place of authority. He is King of kings, Lord of lords, raised up high. So when you pray in Jesus' name, and you are a father, a follower of Jesus, that is a big deal. He is the king of kings of all the universe, heaven and earth. He is the king, and that's where he's at. And as king, he sent his spirit down here for believers. His spirit comes in. If you believe that gospel message that, that our sins are forgiven and that our, the debt is paid, he actually gives you his very own spirit. His spirit comes and lives in you. That is life-changing. Like the Spirit of God, the creator of heaven and earth, comes and lives in his people. And we are waiting for his return when he will come and kind of hit the reset button and put all things right. He has not returned yet. This world is not right. There is a lot wrong with it. But we are in a, we are in a weird space and time because if we're followers of Jesus Christ, like we have already been forgiven and we have already been born by his spirit. We have already tasted of what's to come. When God resets everything, sin, sickness, death, 
uh, tears, everything is gone. He makes all things new. And now we're living before that time, but we have the power of that age. The power of that age is alive in us because he has sent forth his spirit. And so what should we be focusing on? And so we've talked about a few things these past couple weeks, and the last one I'm going to talk about um, is really about the gospel, the good news of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ. So that you should have had a paper. You can follow along in the Bible app if you use that on your phone, but there should have been a paper. If you need to raise your hand, somebody can get you one if you did not get a paper today. Um, but in Romans chapter 1, Verses 16 and 17, some of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. And, and I try to make these verses alive in my heart. Like, I want this to be true about me. Verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, let's stop there for a second. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. We're going to define the gospel. We're going to define the good news. I was looking. What do people say about gospel, the gospel? Most people, when you say the word gospel, they think it today, that's a style of music. You can go, you do a little experiment, and, and it's true, go and put the word Twitter into a social media search, and when people use that word gospel, like the first 50 or 60 things that they talk about, it's strictly a style of music. And we know we do reference that as a style of music. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not what Paul meant. Paul was not being ashamed of Kirk Franklin. Like, that's not what he was saying there. It was not gospel music. The gospel is best defined, and I don't have a slide, but you can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. And it's the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ according to the scriptures by which you're saved. That's a simple message. The message is, is that Jesus came and lived a perfect life for you, even though you didn't live a perfect life. And he died in your place so that you could live again. And it's good news because we're dead in our sins and our trespasses without him. We're under a curse without him. The Bible says that he became a curse for us so that we wouldn't be cursed anymore. Sin brings curses on our lives. Like when Adam fell, it brought a curse. But we're, relieved, we're, we're, we're freed from the curse. So that's what he's talking about, the story of Jesus. And he says, for it is the power of God for salvation. See, the gospel is powerful. Those simple words, when you can say boldly that Jesus loves you so much that he came here for you. He took on flesh for you. He died in your place. He died for your sins. And he loves you even when you were unlovable. He loved you. He did that when you weren't even born yet. You weren't even looking for him. He came for you. And you can be forgiven. And not just forgiven, but now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. And he offers his spirit to those who believe that his spirit can come and comfort you and keep you, and bless you, and strengthen you. That is a powerful message. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Gentiles, the gospel, um, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. You can write that in there. 
But in verse 16, it says, you know, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. The gospel started in Israel. It started among the Jews. The first followers of Jesus were Jewish. For in it, verse 17 of Romans 1, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So how do you access that power is you believe it. That's all they have to do is believe it. They don't have to work. You don't even really have to do anything but believe. That's the only thing God has asked, that the gospel would be believed, that you would believe, and then everything else flows out of that. When I made the decision to believe the good news of God's salvation, everything else flowed out of that. Because if I believe that, then I should tell others. If I believe that, I should go to church and worship him and thank him for saving me. If I believe that, serving in God's house is a good thing because this is a good message for the whole world. I didn't do any of those things to earn God's forgiveness, but because I was forgiven, I begin to love him. Scripture says we love him because he first loved us. The gospel is really the center of all four of these things that we try to do in this church. How are you going to fall in love with Jesus? You will not fall in love with Jesus until you realize how much he loves you because the scripture says we love him because he first loved us. When you get a picture that Jesus died for you at your worst, man, you can begin to love him. When he gave his life for you when you didn't deserve it, well, then you can begin to love him. And then you find a church family. The gospel says that we are all at the foot of the cross. Like it doesn't matter the shape, the size, the skin tone. The foot of the cross is what really we're all saved by red blood. And we can find a church family, fellow believers that are born again into a new family. And they can encourage us and speak life to us and, and help us when we're weak. You can live in freedom only because he died in captivity. He, he put himself uh, in, uh, basically uh, as a captive. They beat him and they whipped him and he died crucified as a criminal and, and he died in captivity so that we could have his freedom. And the biggest difference you can make is sharing that message, that powerful message with anybody so that they might believe. Like, that's the difference is that when they hear that powerful message that Jesus died for you and he loves you and, and he died when you didn't deserve it, like, that can change somebody's life. That's the biggest difference you can make. Not that we don't do the other things. We're, we're supporting people that are helping with homework. Homework is important, and we want them to learn, and we want them to be successful. But if they have a successful life on this earth, but they, they never find out about the mercy and the grace of God available in the gospel, we've failed them. We want to do both. It's not either or, it's both. We want to feed people with the food pantry. We want them to have full bellies so that they can be taken care of. But if their bellies are full and their spirits are empty, we've failed them. So why do we share the gospel? We share the gospel because God said to. Is that enough? I mean, you guys have all been kids at one time. Did your parents ever tell you something? And you just had to do it? Have you ever had that? They said, just do it. And then later on, you realize why it mattered. If you have children, you ever told your kids something? And you're like, just do this. 
And they're like, yeah, but daddy, why? Just do it. And then later on, you can explain to them and you can show them why, but sometimes you just got to get them started. We do it because God said to, and we did it because we share it because Jesus wants people to hear it. He didn't die for nothing. Every time we keep our mouths closed, we are basically saying, Jesus died for nothing. We are basically saying, I don't believe that the gospel could really save this person. I don't believe that the gospel is really powerful enough to change this life. Or we're saying, I'm ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of Jesus dying for you. Don't be ashamed. He was not ashamed for us. Like the man died a horrible death, naked, spit upon, bruised, beaten. Let's not be like Peter was and be ashamed of that. So we share it because that's how people start when they find out God loves them. That's how people start their walk with God. Everything else is built upon the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 and 17. We're going to look at Paul. Paul is talking to a group of people in Thessalonica who had come to Christ. He had gone there and shared the gospel. And I want you just to read what he's saying. He says, But we ought to always give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Verse 14, to this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hold then, my brothers, and stand firm and hold on to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by letter. They were called to sanctification. If you go up a verse, called to sanctification, called to being set apart called to being the first fruits, called to, called to glory, to be saved by the Spirit. The gospel is God's call to you to be saved. That's what we're telling people, like be saved, be, be made whole. That word saved is good. We're sharing good news. Be made whole, be well, be healthy. Be restored. Verse 14 of this passage, it says, To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the most amazing things in the story of the gospel is that not only did Jesus die to take our sins away, but the second part, the even greater part in some senses, Yes, he forgives us and we get washed clean. But then he also promises us his glory, his radiance, his brightness. He makes us new. He allows us to be born again. Why don't we share that with people? Is it because we're ashamed? Or is it because we don't believe? I think it has to fit in one of those two categories. We're ashamed or we don't believe it. And that might be where we're at. I've been there. Sharing the gospel with somebody, especially today with how sensitive people are about everything, 
It's embarrassing. And then sometimes we think, you ever talk to somebody? You're like, that person's really messed up. Even God can't save them. I've heard that. I've met people like that. But it removes from us the stain of sin, and it moves us to the glory of God. The gospel's powerful. I just, I just want to read this. It's not on your paper, I don't believe, but Romans 16, 25, it says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. So if you're feeling weak, that's okay. It's good for you to be weak in yourself so that you might have the strength of God come upon you. If you feel like you're not qualified to share the gospel, if you feel like you can't do it well enough, then you're in a good place. Because then you can say, God, I can't do this on my own, but I'll do it with you. But I allow you to do it through me. I'll I'll lay my life down and allow you to use me. I need you to strengthen me. And the preaching of the Lord Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for ages long ago. Basically, for, for a long time, people didn't know what God was doing until Jesus came. And then Jesus came and he revealed the mystery. I know that, that I take this personally as I want my life um, to be built around the gospel. I think every time I get off base in my life, it's because I don't understand the gospel. I'm thinking, oh, what, you know what, God can't love me right now. There's something wrong with me. I did something wrong, or I thought something wrong, or I'm not feeling or thinking what I should be doing. But that's not what the gospel says. The gospel says that when I was an enemy, God loved me, and that I am born into his family. When I get off base, it's because I strayed too far from the gospel. When I think about what can I share with somebody that would bring them life, it is the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I was sitting there looking through. I have this file where I keep some, some different things that God has done in my life. And I, I thought of the first time, you know, I, Emmerich was there, and I think my friend Jose was there, and we were at a Denny's. All right, it was in, Flo- it was in Homestead, Florida, real, not a nice part. There were two Denny's down there. One was nasty and one you could eat at, all right? All right, so we went to the one you it was nasty this time. I don't remember why we were at the nasty one. But it was the one that it was like, you went there, and you got, like, food poisoning every time. You ever, have, ever seen a restaurant like that? So it was in the gross part of town. But we went there after church, and we had this waitress, Anastasia was her name, and she was coming up. And so we're being nice because we're, oh, we, we were young, and we were just saved, and we were keeping our eyes on her and, like, trying to talk to her and be kind. And I really don't know how it happened. But I remember that we went there. And God used even the fact we went to the nasty Denny's and were ready to share the gospel because somehow, and Emmerich could probably tell you, but I remember that she lived in this trailer and, like, it was a, not, a, not a nice trailer. And we were sitting. There were three of us sitting on her bed, and the room was small because it was like we were sitting like this. We were on the bed, and she was right there, and we were preaching the gospel to her at her house. For the life of me, it was so long ago, I don't remember exactly how it went to ordering, you know, a Grand Slam to us sitting in her trailer preaching the gospel. And she had a crazy life. She went through, she shared her story, and it was like you could make a list of all the crazy things somebody could do, and she had done that. 
and sharing the gospel. I thought about another time when we were in Charleston. It wasn't, wasn't too long ago. It might have been a year and a half ago, two years. And, and we had just left the conference and just got re-motivated again. And I was thinking, man, Chris, you know, it's been a while since you've actually shared the gospel. And so our waiter came and, you know, he was being nice because he wanted a big tip. And we were being nice because we were like, man, if we're going to share the gospel, we can't be jerks, you know. So we were, we were doing that and we were waiting for the opportunity and the Lord spoke to my heart. I forget exactly what he said, but I remember sharing the gospel, sharing God's message, sharing, sharing the love of Christ for him and praying for him. I remember another time my wife did it on her own. We, same thing, because we forget this. Somebody had come and shared a message just like this, and my wife took it to heart. And that very day, she went and found a waitress. She went out. We didn't go out together that night, I don't think, but, or maybe we were, but I think she did it on her own. My wife went and shared the gospel with the waitress. And the, my wife was like, and she was crying, and I was praying for her, and, and it was good. I remember the times when I'm really thinking about this, because it's easy not to think about this. It's easy to get caught up in going to work and going home, and, and taking care of the kids, and trying to get to sleep, and oh, my back hurts, and oh man, I got to wake up and do it all over, but I remember walking into a, a health food store, and there was a, a, a Muslim owner of the health food store, and I knew he was Muslim because he was reading the Quran, and as I saw that, I was like, but this guy doesn't know Jesus. I was like, well, how do I do this the right way? And I was, something in my heart just broke. And I'm like, how do I do this? How do I, I don't want to be combative. I don't want to put down his religion. I don't want to make it about religion. I want to make it about Jesus. And, and he had the Quran open. And so I had taken Arabic in college. And so, you know, I, I can read Arabic. I speak it like a real white person, but I can, I can read it, you know, and I was, I was over there, and I looked at it, and I was like, hey, and so we started talking, and then, you know, he started opening up about his life and about how hard business had been and how he had to close one of other stores, and now he's here, and, and I said, sir, can I just pray for you in Jesus' name? I remember just talking about it, and he was open to it, but he lives in the midst of a community that's predominantly Christian, and how many people... I'm not saying I'm special. I'm saying this should be normal. It should not be the outlier. This should be what we do as believers. But how many people had seen him when he's in the midst of all his turmoil and all of his stuff in life and all the issues with his kids, and he's looking for hope, and he opens up a book that he knows? How many believers in Jesus had taken the time and the boldness and the love didn't make it combative. I just want to talk about Christ. I want to talk about the only thing where I've ever found hope. I want to talk about the good news that God loved me when I didn't deserve it. And so then how do we share the gospel? And I want to go over a few things. Um, how do we share the gospel? Um, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 through 20. I want to give you a few principles. If you want to share the gospel, you could start today. If you understand the fact that Jesus died for you while you were a sinner and that his blood covers your sins and paid the price for your sins and you believe that he's, born, he's, he's raised up 
and he's alive, you can share that message. And that through his life, we can have life in his name. So how do we do it? Look at Paul, one of the best church planners, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I love this verse because it gives me a snapshot into Paul's mind. This man was like, outside of Jesus, one of the, you know, him and Peter and these first apostles, they were just amazing. But he's talking to a church in Ephesus that he started and that he actually got the church so big that there was a riot in the city. And the scripture says that Paul wanted to go in and talk to the 25,000 people that were rioting in the city and share Jesus with them. But hear Paul's heart, because I think this is how you can get to that, that. Look at Paul's heart. To this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or prayers for all the saints. And pray for me. Can you imagine Paul saying that? telling the people that he had just led to the Lord, pray for me. The guy that had done so many great things, testified before kings, pray for me. Pray that I'll have the right words, right? Pray that the words may be given to me. Pray that I may open my mouth boldly. Paul, Paul was saying, I don't want to be ashamed. I don't want to share it like, in fear. I want to be boldly. I want to have the right words to say. I want to, I want to do this right. Pray for me. When was the last time you, you said that to your brothers and sisters in the Lord? Hey, I want to share the gospel, but I don't even know where to start. Pray for me. To proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. He was literally in chains. He was probably in prison at the time he wrote this, but he was also figuratively in chains. He was um, compelled by Christ. So here are some things. There's three blanks you can write in. Number one is humbly. Humbly. See, you can be bold and you can be humble. And in the midst of that, I think there's power. But humbly. Not from a place of condemnation, not from a place of your own strength, but humbly. Like Paul who said, I just pray I have the right words. The dude wrote the New Testament. Two-thirds of the New Testament, the man wrote it. We just read three books that he wrote. And he's saying, pray I just know what to say. It wasn't that he was self-unconfident, it's that he was humble. He's like, I just want to do it right. Man, humbly ask for prayer. The second point you can say is prayerfully. Prayerfully. The most fruit, the most success I've ever had, and I think Paul highlights it there, is is when it's with an attitude of prayer. It's with an attitude of, Lord, I want to do this, but I don't know how to do this. I want to share the gospel, but I don't know who to share it with. I, I don't. I need your help. That that humble that humbleness pulls you to prayerfulness, and in prayerfulness, you're ready for God to open an opportunity. You're ready for God to put somebody in your path. Humbly, prayerfully, and then the third one I would say is boldly. If you can figure out how to get into this sweet spot, where you are completely humble but completely bold, 
What bold is not? I'll give you an example. Bold is not. My dad, after he just got saved, he was very bold, but not very humble. All right, so this was awesome, but it was terrible at the same time. All right, it was both awesome and terrible. Or in line at the DMV, my dad is just becoming a Christian. My dad found this guy at church who was like 20-something years old, didn't have a driver's license, didn't have a place to say live. And so my dad is like, he's fired up in the Lord, but he's not there yet. And so he takes this guy under his wing, and he's helping him get his license figured out, and he's helping him get on his feet and get a job. And, like, he is showing the love of Christ to this guy that just came into church, that just got saved. And we're in the DMV together, me, my dad, and this guy. And this guy, um, he was there, and he's, like, in the line, and we're just waiting in the DMV in Florida. It takes forever, way too long. So we're just standing there. And he starts, like, talking about Jesus to the people in the line. And, you know, I wasn't that spiritual. I hadn't prayed that day. I was just sitting there like, this is taking forever. Can we go? I got stuff to do. And then my dad is there, and and this guy and another person, they're talking. And this other person, I won't name the cult, but but in my opinion, they they were a part of the cult. They um, do not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, And my friend and this guy, they were going back and forth. And my dad's in front, just saved, trying to be loving. A new guy, he's taken under his wing. In the midst of the line, for the whole DMV to hear, my dad turns around, looks at the stranger, and he says, your religion is false and you're going to hell. And he turns back around. I was like, that was bold. And maybe he needed it, I don't know. I mean, I'm not judging him, but I wouldn't go there right off the bat. But you can still be bold and still be humble. And that's the sweet spot we need to get to. All right, 1 Corinthians. So how do we share it? If you can keep those three things in your your pocket, how do we share the gospel? Um, 1 Corinthians 1, 17 through 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize. Um, We're looking at having a baptism the next few weeks. If you see David over here, David, raise your hand, my friend. If you have not been baptized, you should, I think, get baptized. I think baptism is important, and so we would love to have you part of that. Um, Talk with him. Tell him you want to be on that list. Same thing with Club 180. Talk with David and say, I want to help out with Club 180. I want to serve my community, or I want to get baptized. Please tell David. But Paul was saying, I wasn't there to baptize. Paul kind of went in. He preached, he got a bunch of people saved, and then he sent others to help them take them deeper in their faith. He sent Timothy and he sent Titus. And he says, not with, he sent me to preach the gospel, not with um, words of eloquent wisdom. One version says, wisdom of words. At least the cross of Christ should be emptied of its power. For the message or the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I found that the people that are humble and bold and don't even know how to say it clearly, but are saying it from their heart, there's power in that. The people that have their speech written and, and, and figured out and they know what to say, it, sometimes it doesn't land. But you just have to speak, not from, with eloquent words. We don't need fancy arguments. We need God's power. That's the last thing you can write. We don't need fancy arguments. 
we need God's power. Um, I know a lot of you, I was talking with my brother over here. He took us out over to his house. He invited us over to his house yesterday. We had a great time. And he was sharing about his children's pastor, how he led his future children's pastor to the Lord. And I think it was a very spiritual time because they were fishing. All right? They were fishing. And he, he wasn't a believer at that time, but he was spending time with them. And the way I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, they looked up at the sunset and the gentleman said, hey, isn't that a beautiful sunset? And as they're waist deep or so in water, he said, imagine how beautiful it would be once the curse is gone. And the guy said, what? And then he had a door to open how the all of creation is under a curse and that crisis came to save everything. And so if the sky looks that beautiful now, imagine how beautiful it would be. The man got saved and he got into the ministry. So some of you can be fishing for Jesus. You could tell your wives, I'm going evangelizing. You could be fishing for men and fishing for fish. Our brother over here, why don't you come, come over here, Caleb. He has um, a great opportunity for you to hear a little bit more about somebody who's been sharing their faith. Sure. So one of the, as I was thinking about how to say this and listening to Chris and listening to the Lord, um, a really short passage opened up to me from Philippians that I'd like to read really quick first. It's uh, Philippians chapter 1, 12 through 14. Um, it's Paul speaking as he is in prison. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Uh, for those of you that uh, don't know me, I'm a student over at Columbia International University, uh, which is a um, Bible school here in Columbia, and we host regular chapels weekly, uh, which are open to the public, and uh, we invite different speakers to come in and share about a variety of topics. And this week, uh, we're very pleased to host Andrew Brunson, um, who some of you may know was an American uh, missionary who was serving over in Turkey when in 2016 he was um, imprisoned by the Turkish government under false allegations um, and faced really, really heavy op opposition and persecution uh, for multiple years before he was finally freed just last year. And he is coming to share about that um, time, share his testimony at CIU uh, on Thursday at about 11 o'clock in our chapel. And I wanted to let everybody here know that that's something you guys can come to. I think it would be a really powerful message and really encourage you guys to come and listen to somebody who has a lot to say about uh, the persecuted church and about um, the level of commitment that Christ calls us to um, as we seek to do exactly what Chris has been talking about today. So, Amen. Thank you, Caleb. Caleb's a great brother in the Lord. He, uh, he really is. And, and so I, mean, I wanted Caleb to share that. He said, I talk about it, but I just want you to put it into perspective. The man was thrown into prison for years for sharing his faith. I don't think any of you, if you're not crazy, will have that happen to you for sharing your faith this week. I don't think you're facing that. You might be facing a little bit, a few minutes of being uncomfortable. You might be facing a little fear as in what do I say and how do I say that I've been there. I know that. 
you might be facing a little rejection where somebody tells you, shut up. But that's about it. We're going to be closing right now. You don't need fancy arguments. You just need God's power. You just need to be humble, prayerful, and bold. And I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head just for a few minutes of reflection. We're going to end right now. Now, I'm not going to ask anybody to commit to sharing the gospel this week. That's between you and the Lord. But I am going to ask you, who feels that God might be leading them to commit to begin praying about sharing the gospel? That God might be leading you to to spend some serious time in prayer this week to say, God, show me how to do this. I want to, but I don't know how. Would you put your hand up if that's you? Would you commit to that? That's your commitment. And I think if you start there, God will open up doors. And you'd be just as honest as Paul. Say, God, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to mess up. And I don't want to be a chicken. I want to be bold. But I don't know how to do this. Help me. There were many hands across this room. And I believe that if you keep that commitment, church, that people are going to come to Christ in this town. People's eternities are going to be changed by your commitment to that this week. People, whole families even, can spend eternity with God because of your decision to allow him to use you. Amen. Amen. I'm going to say a prayer. Would you guys stand with me as we close? Lord, you saw the hands of the people that that felt called to pray and seek you for how to do this. I pray that you would hold them accountable to that. In fact, I challenge you, if you put your hand up, you, you might be led to put a reminder in your phone right now for tomorrow morning. But God, when they pray, when they seek you, I thank you that you'll hear their prayers. Lord, that you'll open doors, that you'll give them wisdom, that you'll give them boldness. God, I believe you're the God who answers prayers. So use this prayer time this week to change our church, to change our hearts, and allow us to be bold ministers of the gospel. Not with arrogance, not with pride, not that we're better than anybody, but out of love, out of people who've been saved, people who know what it is to be forgiven and to be loved and want others to experience that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite some prayer teams to come to the front, if I can get one on this side at least, and then one over here. If anybody would needs prayer, um, we would definitely have this time. You're welcome to come up and pray for anything. In fact, if something in this message really struck you and you would like prayer for that, you're welcome to come up for prayer for that as well. Make sure you see David if you're interested in... Um, Club 180 or you're interested in getting baptized. And I look forward to seeing you guys next week and hearing your stories about how God has used you to share the gospel with somebody in need. I believe God can use you and I believe God wants to use you. So go be blessed, be light, 
be salt, be God's hands and feet in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>